Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson Podcast. I'm Dorenda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 26-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The Four-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, a devotional written specifically for homeschool moms. If you enjoyed the unhurried homeschooler, you will also love the four-hour school day because it's kind of like an expanded version of the unhurried homeschooler. So if you haven't checked that out, be sure to do that. You can find all three of these books at Amazon. You can find them at DorendaWilson.com, and you can find the four-hour school day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I mentioned. I'd also love for you to check out my favorite homeschooling magazine, homeschooling today. Listen in for a few more details about this fantastic resource. When it comes to homeschooling, isn't it discouraging to see so much on social media that simply doesn't match your reality? Life is messy. Kids can be exhausting. School doesn't always go as planned. Sometimes we all need some real encouragement, some real, truly practical help. That's one of the reasons I write for Homeschooling Today magazine. The entire team at Homeschooling Today wants you to know that messy, exhausting, imperfect homeschooling is an incredibly beautiful thing because it's real life as we take an unhurried, bold approach to homeschooling our kids. An approach that says, I won't compare my homeschool to others. I'll teach the kids God has given me in the way that he leads me to do it. I want to encourage you to check out Homeschooling Today magazine. It is an amazing resource for the unhurried homeschooling mom. Okay, today we're going to be talking about simple apologetics for four to eight-year-olds. Now, you're probably wondering, what in the world would that even look like? Because apologetics seems like something you would only study at seminary as an adult. But the word apologetics, I, I went and looked it up to get an official definition, but it is simply the study and practice of giving answers for the reasonableness and truth of the Christian faith. The word comes from the, uh, the Greek apologia and means to give a defense. In uh, 1 Peter 3.15, Christians are commanded to give an apologia to anyone who asks the reason for our hope. And starting at a very young age, we can begin to lay this very important foundation and do it in a simple and doable way. Today, I have a very special guest joining us. Elizabeth Urbanowitz has done two episodes with me before called Seven Lies Your Children May Believe. I would encourage you to go listen to those. They're awesome. And I will include those links in the show notes. Um, But I'm excited that she's joining us again today um, to find out just a little bit more about her. I always love that. When I'm going to hear a guest on a podcast, I love to know a little bit of background. And so Elizabeth is a follower of Jesus who is passionate about equipping kids to understand the truth of the Christian worldview. She holds a Bachelor of Science in Elementary Education from Gordon College an MS Ed in education from Northern Illinois University and an MA 
in Christian apologetics from Biola University. She spent the first decade of her professional career teaching elementary students at a Christian school. She now works full-time on developing comparative worldview and apologetics resources for children. Her goal is to prepare the next generation to be lifelong critical thinkers and most importantly, lifelong disciples of Jesus. Elizabeth, welcome. Thanks so much for having me on today, Dorinda. I'm so excited you're back. I loved the two episodes that we did together a while back, and I'm excited about talking a little more about uh, simple apologetics for four to eight-year-olds. I'm just curious. um, I wanted to ask first, why is it important to start teaching the concept of truth at ages four, five, and six that seems really, really young? Yes, I know it does seem really young, especially many times, you know, we as adults haven't even thought about, you know, what does it mean when we say the word truth? Um, Now, we know as believers that, you know, praise the Lord, He is unchanging. Jesus Christ is Mm -hmm. is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we also know that God's Word is unchanging. You know, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the Word of our God stands forever. So those two things are unchanging, God and His Word. But what is changing is the culture around us. And so if Mm. we want to raise up faithful disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to understand this cultural moment in which we're living and what our children are facing in it. And just because of the prevalence of screens, you know, even if we're very, very careful about, you know, limiting what our children see on screens, you know, even if we don't even have a TV in our house, just being out in the community, you know, out and about, you can't even pump gas Mm -hmm. nowadays, you know, without there being a screen on (laughs) It's crazy. It really is crazy. And so, you know, just the the average child today in one year of their life will be faced with more competing ideas in just one year than most people throughout human history have been faced with their entire lives. And now for some of your audience, that may be a, you know, a slightly lower number just because the parents are very intentional, you know, and are not using screens as babysitters. But We really need to equip our kids just to carefully evaluate the ideas that come their way. And so this concept of truth, the cultural tide in which we're swimming just teaches that, you know, well, that's your truth. That's nice for you. You do you. I'll do me. And if we're not careful at actually teaching this concept of objective truth, that truth is what is real, our kids are going to subconsciously buy into this lie. And then when we Mm -hmm. teach them verses, you know, like John 14, 6, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What our kids actually hear is, Jesus is the way for some people. He's the truth for some people. He's the life for some people. And so if we don't first lay this foundation for the objective nature of truth, everything we teach our kids from scripture, we run the risk of them just thinking, well, this is true for some people. You know, it's nice for me and my family, but it's not true for everyone. So that's why I would say we have to lay this foundation for truth, to make sure that we're building on solid ground as we continue discipling our children in the Word of God. Mm, I love that because what you're saying is, uh, you know, even approaching Scripture, if we've already got a preconceived idea about something like truth, we misinterpret the Scriptures, and that is something we do not want for our children. Um, And I know that there are some parents who might be thinking right now, there is no way that I could keep my active four-year-old still long enough to really absorb (laughs) something as big as truth. So how do you keep little ones engaged while teaching the concepts of truth and the Christian worldview? 
Yes. Well, for any moms or dads out there who are thinking that, I love that you're thinking that because it means that you understand your child, (laughs) you know, and at four years of age, your child was not designed to sit down and listen to a 15 minute lecture, you know, like, yes, we can read to our children. We can train them to be still and quiet and to listen. And those are important things. And when we're teaching them important truths, we need to make sure that we're teaching them in a way that aligns with God's design of the human mind. So, you know, for all of the homeschool parents out there listening, I just would say, think about the way you teach your child math in the preschool or kindergarten years. You don't start off by saying, you know, three plus four equals seven, because that means absolutely nothing to your child. Mm -hmm, (laughs) So what you do mm -hmm. is you take out three blocks and they play with them and they put them together and you teach them to count, you know, one at a time, one, two, three. And then you take out four blocks and they play with them and, you know, play with them and count one, two, three, four. And then you put them together and you count up to seven. And then eventually, you know, through the years, as they move on from the block phase, you write down the number three, you know, the symbolic representation, you write down the number four, you write down the number seven. And eventually by the time they're in second grade, they can just say three plus four equals seven. You know, they have that memorized as a math fact. So when we're talking about something like truth, that's the same thing that we need to do. We need to get their bodies involved. And Mm. so what I like to do with little ones is I just give them the simple definition. I say, truth is what is real. And then we turn it into a game, you know, just repeating this, you know, homeschooling parents who have taught their kids Bible verses at young ages, you know, no, you can just turn it into a game and they can absorb it so quickly. So I'll just have the little ones with me say, okay, I want you to say this as loud as you can. Truth is what is real, you know, and then they'll say it as loud as they can and say, okay, now I want you to whisper this as quietly as you can. And truth is what is real, <laughs> you know, just so that they can understand these concepts and then to turn it into a game to see if they really understand it. I say, okay, I'm going to say some sentences. And if I say a sentence that is true, a sentence that is real, I want you to throw up your arms and I want you to say true as loud as you can. And if I say a sentence that is not true, that is not real, I want you to cross your arms in front of you and say not true. And then we'll just do fun sentences. You know, I'll say something like puppy are baby dogs and you know they'll throw out their arms and say true then I'll give them just a silly sentence you know like puppies run on the ceiling you know and it makes them laugh and they cross (laughs) their arms and say not true so just to get them thinking through is what I'm hearing true is it real Or Mm -hmm. is it not true? And then after we've played that game several times, then I'll introduce the concept of feelings, emotions, because Mm -hmm. another thing our culture is teaching is that whatever I feel, that is my truth. Where we know from the biblical worldview, having emotions is an important thing. You know, it's part of being made as God's image bearers. But this side of the fall, sometimes our emotions point us to truth and sometimes they don't. And so we just teach kids, okay, let's think about, is this a truth or is this a feeling? So I'll say something like, most playgrounds have swings. That's true. You know, and then they'll, you know, they'll throw out their arms and say true. And then I'll say, swings are the best. And then they'll hug themselves and say feeling because we want them to think, okay, is this something that's true or is this just Mm -hmm. a feeling, you know, something that's going on inside of me. So if we can get their bodies involved, there's so much that they can comprehend at a young age. Oh my goodness. I'm listening to you. I'm thinking this would actually be a good practice for adults. (laughs) Yes. 
<laughs> and let's just go back to your childhood and let's go the back there and let's do it that way. And But, you know, I, I hear what, what you're saying is, um, what I'm hearing you say is you're using age-appropriate games and approaches to help mm-hmm. your kids make a connection. Yes. That's a great way to summarize it. I love that. Yeah. So you have recently actually released a new early childhood curriculum. Um, You have that curriculum broken into five units, truth, God, life, humans, and morality. So why did you choose these five units specifically? That's a good question. And and the reason that I chose those units is the goal of this curriculum is to lay a solid foundation for understanding the biblical worldview. And these are just five foundational components in understanding the truth of scripture. So as we've talked about before, you know, truth is the first thing we need to cover because if we don't cover this concept of truth, our children, there's a great chance that they're going to misinterpret scripture if they don't understand the objective of nature of truth. Then the next concept, God, I mean, God is the most important person, the most important object, the most important thing out there. And so we want our children to have a solid understanding of who God is. Then the concept of life, We know that there's so many lies in our culture just about the start of life, you know, that humans are just the product of blind, unguided time and chance through evolution, where we know Mm -hmm. not only does that contradict what scripture says, it contradicts the evidence that we find in the world around us. So we wanted to just give them a very solid understanding from a young age that that all the evidence around us points to a designer and that designer is God. Then the question, you know, about humanity, what does it mean to be human? That is one of the main questions of our day. You know, what does it mean to be human? Do we have control over our own destinies? Do our feelings point us to what is most true about us as humans? So we wanted to set that stage for understanding that humans are God's image bearers, that God designed girl image bearers, and boy image bearers, and that that's a very special thing. And then the concept of morality, you know, that's foundational if our children are to understand the gospel, understanding what is good and what is true and what is right, and how we as humans consistently fall short of that. And that is why we need Jesus. So those are not the only five worldview components, you know, that it's possible to cover with children, but we just felt that those were five really important ones for laying the foundation for a biblical world view. Yeah, these do just sound like major underpinnings um, in order to lay that biblical worldview. Mm. I love that. I mean, I'm listening to you describe each of these things and it's, and it just, if you can imagine your child grasping um, the biblical worldview for each of these things, Mm. um, what a difference it makes in their thinking and about their perspective and how they see things. And then to do this at such an early age and have them moving forward with that kind of truth in view. I mean, just, it's, it's an incredible, it's just such an incredible opportunity. Mm. I love this. So I am so glad that, um, I'm so glad you came up with something for such young children, because again, that's something that I think that most homeschool moms would be, you know, really on board with, but really struggling with what does this look like? And Mm. so I love the simplicity of it. I love that it's, um, it sounds like it's not only easy to do with our kids, but actually fun. 
Yes. And I think that's so important. And then when you're having that fun together, that really, um, there's a relational aspect to it that, you know, is added as well, where, you know, when we're having fun with our kids, they feel valued and, um, you know, they know that they're important. I know my kids loved for me to laugh with them and to be silly Mm. with them. And to them, that was like my, almost like my approval of them, you know, Mm. and they felt connected to me. So I love that you're doing, uh, you're suggesting such fun and relational things. Um, So the goal is at the end of this curriculum to lay uh, the foundation uh, for a biblical worldview. And I just, I love that it can happen at such an early age. What an, what an amazing opportunity. Okay, last question. What are some other practical things parents can do regularly to engage their young children and teach them the Christian worldview? Yeah, I think exactly what you're talking about with, you know, making things fun and relational with our children. You know, these deep truths, they don't have to be done in a setting that's super serious, you know, where we sit that sit down and say, okay, we're going to talk about this for 10 minutes, you know, and then we move on with our day. But if we can just develop a few easy games that they can, we can play with them and then continue to play them, you know, in just our everyday life, like the example that I just gave you of that game with, you know, truth versus feelings. Anytime I develop a game for one of our curriculums, I always test it out first with the children that God has placed in my sphere of influence, you know, so in my case, it happens to be the children of really close friends or the children in my church family. And just even this past Sunday, I took two little boys uh, home with me after church, a four-year-old and a five-year-old, you know, and fed them lunch and let their parents go out on a date, you know, while we just played games at my house and read books and Mm -hmm. did some coloring. And on the way back to their house, as I was driving them, they said, Miss Elizabeth, let's play the truth or feelings game. (laughs) You know, they just (laughs) love playing that. It's like, it's it's like the, I'm thinking of an animal game for them. And so we can do things like that, like a game that even that we play in that unit on what it means means to be human is I will just show the kids pictures either of different people or of different things. And every time they see a picture of an image bearer, they have to jump up and shout image bearer, you know? So if they see a picture of a puppy, it's like really cute, but you know, they sit down because it's not an image bearer. If they see, right. you know, a picture of a child, they stand up because it's an image bearer, an old man mm. or an old woman, you know, people with all different colors of skin. We show them a picture of an ultrasound, you know, and that's an image bearer. We show pictures of, you know, somebody in a wheelchair or someone with Down syndrome, And so that can even be a real easy game. You know, if you get a magazine, you can just cut out different pictures of things or have your child cut out different pictures of things. And you can hold up the pictures and play a game or you could make a poster with that. You know, let's make a poster of pictures that are of image bearers, pictures that are of things that are not image bearers, but are part of God's creation. So just love playing games like that with them so that they can really start to think through the biblical worldview. Another game that we like to play um, with them in the unit on who God is, one thing that we wanted to teach is we wanted to teach you know that God is the creator of all and that God is near his creation, 
but he is not part of his creation because that's a big mm-hmm. lie that's floating around mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. there, you know, that God just isn't in everything and everyone. And, and that's, you know, that's a lie. God is not in the tree. You know, God is not no, in every baby exactly. that's born, you know? <laughs> so a fun thing that I like to do with them and that we do in the curriculum is we just have them create a little animal out of Play-Doh. And we talk about, oh my goodness, look at your animal. What did you make? And then, okay. And what did you need to make that animal? You needed Play-Doh. Did God create everything about out of Play-Doh? No, that's silly. God created everything out of nothing. He's the only one that can create out of nothing. And then we'll play other games. Like we'll say, okay, hold your Play-Doh near you, you know, and they'll have to hold it close to them. And then, okay, hold it far away. Okay, near, far, you know, and just give commands for near or far and then say, okay, so let's think, is God near his creation or is he far away? And then we say, oh, God is near his creation. And then we talk about, hmm, let's look at your Play-Doh animal. Are you that Play-Doh animal or is that Play-Doh animal you? No, that's so silly. That's so silly. And what about with God? Is God the same as his creation or is creation God? No, that's so silly. God is different than his creation. So just things like that. If we can take big truths and attach them to a game that really engages our child and builds a relationship and a game that they want to play over and over and over again, at just the earliest of ages, we can establish these really big foundational truths that they must grasp if they're to hold firmly to the biblical worldview. You know, I, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, I'm picturing, uh, you know, moms uh, sort of carrying this out. And I'm just seeing so many different scenarios uh, playing out in my mind. Like some of these things you can do while you're waiting in a waiting room at the dentist's office yes. or you're in a in a car, you know, you're in a car ride, you're all stuck in the car and you're driving somewhere, um, either, you know, locally, or maybe you're taking a trip. This is a great way to redeem that time and really just continue Mm -hmm. to lay that foundation. And I also think that kids love games. Like these sound like games that kids would absolutely love. And I love that you've tested it out already, but I'm (laughs) thinking to myself, you know, those who are, you know, homeschooling and, 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 I feel like it could be a great, what I would call a carrot. When you're done with your reading lesson, we're going to play that game, mm. that, you know, uh, truth that, or motion game, because um, kids do love games. So here you are, you know, doing their uh, their reading lesson, and they think they get this really fun game to play afterwards, but you're all, <laughs> you're, you're teaching apologetics. Well, <laughs> well, they're, they're just engaged in having fun. And so I love these ideas. I really appreciate you sharing these. And I would love for you to share with the moms how they can connect with you and how they can specifically connect with this curriculum. Yes, if you go to foundationworldview.com, that's where you can find all of our resources. So that's where we have our curriculums. And we also have a ton of free resources like webinars and book club recommendations. And we do have a podcast. So yes, if you go to foundationworldview.com, you can find out all the information there. Great. And I will include a link in the show notes for you, mom, so you can go check that out. Elizabeth, thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Dorinda. It's been a pleasure talking with you. All right. Well, let's close in a word of prayer. Lord, we just thank you for these moms who are listening. God, we thank you for their hearts, for their children, for their desire to 
teach their children well. Um, we know that desire is, is there because they wouldn't be listening to this podcast if it wasn't. And so we thank you also for just the great resources that you've provided. I thank you for Foundation Worldview and the work that has been done there to bring this kind of uh, simple approach and yet effective approach to this particular age group that can sometimes be challenging. Um, so I thank you for these little ones too, four to eight-year-olds. They are such a blast. And so um, I just praise you and thank you for each and every uh, little one that's represented here and just pray a blessing over these families and over their households in Jesus' name. Amen. 